Welcome everyone to the Authentic as Fuck podcast. My name is San. I'm a marketer and I teach storytelling. And in this podcast, I coach and I help kind of entrepreneurs help tell their story. Um, today's guest, we have Wolf. Hey, Wolf. Hello. What's going on? What's up? So today I want to try something new, like starting today, maybe. Obviously, if you have questions, go ahead and ask me and I'll answer them. But uh, I also want to try to figure out what I want to do mainly is to hear what you do and then try to help you like kind of like how I would sell it, right? Trying to find your unique differentiator, what makes you unique, what makes you better than your competitors and how I would sell that, right? Something like that. Like this way we can kind of help promote the guests and as well as... um, you know, try to figure out a good message as well. All right. So to start off, do you have like any specific question that you wanted me to cover? Well, let's introduce yourself yeah, first. My name is Wolf. Um, my name is Wolf. I'm based out of Chicago. Um, and I am traditionally a product manager. And I'm actually about to go back into a product management role full time, which is what brought me to the podcast. Because for the last year, I've been trying to figure out selling my services in a consulting capacity. Um, I was calling myself a brand strategist. I was calling myself a e-commerce strategist. Um, and so that's kind of where my realm of expertise is. Um, and now I'm looking to pivot back into a full-time gig while also figuring out how to start building my business back up from the start. Now that I have more cushion and the ability to kind of focus on the business I want to build versus just stressing about getting money in the door today. Got it. Yeah. So like I always say, like you can't really grow a business unless you're, you know, unless you have like some, some sort of a stability in terms of uh, like you can't grow a business when you're worried about money, basically. So I tell everybody to go get a nine to five job or get your business to a point where it's financially stable before you start growing it. Right. Okay. So that, which is exactly what you're doing. So kudos. So your question is more of like, what should I do to grow my side hustle brand while um, yeah, doing and, this? Yeah, and I think Correct. it ties well into what you were saying about helping me figure out how to sell what it is I do, um, because that's really been my challenge over the last year. I don't have the, the hard skills people are necessarily looking for. I can't point to a portfolio of awesome graphic design. I'm not an awesome coder. I'm kind of a a team facilitator and I've really struggled with figuring out how to put that into the market in a way that people are excited to buy it. Um, So now I guess the challenge is with the extra hours in my life instead of the main hours of my life, how do I start to position myself in a way that I can start small and scale into a realm of expertise that I feel like I can sell well? Got it. So let's start with like what kind of service you have been providing Mm -hmm. in your side hustle business. So um, I have built a few websites on CMS platforms. Um, I've done some integrations consulting, so helping supply chain and operations teams make their software work smarter for them on the back end. Um, And I've done some brand strategy engagements. Go ahead. Okay, so it's all over the map. That second one. (laughs) <laughs> the second one, what did they originally come to you for? Like, what was the thing that were So that one was unique in that they really needed someone to fill a position immediately because they're, um, they had a wholesale skincare business and their orders had fallen really far behind mm-hmm. in a transition. Somebody left a role and they just needed immediate help getting back on track with their orders. So they wanted just a person to fill a position. And then I brought in the extra ability to start to strategize and systematize their processes, um, which is what I ended up staying with them for about six months. What about the e-commerce one? For the e-com? I was hired to to refresh the website and implement uh, better UX and analytics for them. Got it. Okay. Yeah, so... A lot of times when we sell consulting service, I think we look at consultants that are like doing well and we're like, oh, we want to try to mimic that, right? Like when we look at like, you know, those, those top consulting firms and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But the thing is, those, 
people go there because they've already made a name for themselves, right? They already like known as a thought leader. So you can, it's hard to start out in consulting. Because like, one of the key things I hear from Christo is telling them to sell strategy, right? Brand strategy. But it's almost impossible to sell brand strategy without a portfolio or experience because nobody's asking for it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Nobody's like calling out brands, you know, branding companies be like, oh, I need a brand strategy. People don't do that. <clears throat> um, and people who do that are like big brands who's already launched their brand. And then over years, they found that, that they're like, there's no cohesive, co cohesive message. So they're trying to hire agencies to do that. But these are bigger brands. So they're, look, they're, they're looking for agencies, not necessarily like a brand strategist, right? So if you're starting out, what you need to do is you need to sell something mm -hmm. tangible, something specific, that something that people are looking for. For example, uh, like there's a lot of people that are looking for um, integration between their e-commerce and their CMS or e-commerce and their inventory system or e-commerce and their backend system or whatever it is. That's like a specific solution that they're looking for, right? Or a lot of people want to automate their drop shipping. Or when they have a specific goal, but they don't know how to do that, that's when they're going to bring in people to solve that specific problem. So what I'm, what I'm saying is people are not sitting there going like, oh, I wonder if I can bring in a consultant to optimize our process. <laughs> Nobody's mm -hmm. thinking that. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? And it's the same reason why... Uh, Nobody's going, nobody's sitting there going, oh, I wonder uh, how I should eat healthier, at, you know, healthier and live a healthy lifestyle for the, nobody's doing that. What, what they're doing is once they get sick, then they go to the doctor <laughs> and they say, can you fix this for me? Right. And it's the same in business. So I think you're going to have to latch onto that one thing first that people are looking for. And once you build the certain number of client base, let's say five, six clients just doing that, what's going to happen is while you're doing that, you're going to realize, oh, I can also do this for you. I can do this for you. So, so the service is going to expand. Mm -hmm. And then once you've done five, six projects like that, and you have a case study, you have a, you know, things like that, then you can start, you know, expanding out to m making that your core service. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it's, uh, it has me reflecting on even the, the job interview process I just went for, right? They, they were looking for a senior project manager and their pain point was, um, okay. that there were too many moving parts and no one was there to kind of make all of the, all of the pieces fit together and make sure things stayed on track. And I didn't actually end up getting that job. They hired me. They created a role based on all of the random stuff I brought up, like I can help with this, that, and the other thing. And they said, well, okay, maybe we actually need mm -hmm. a digital product manager because we're not making the most out of mm -hmm. our website analytics and our integrations and that sort of thing. Um, so I think when you phrase it that way, I'm thinking about being an integration specialist doesn't sound super cool, fun, sexy, all of that, but it is clearly something that people know they need help with and don't have the time to do. And it's like, it's like that thing of being willing to do the work nobody else wants to do. You've talked about this a lot because like, that's where the opportunity yeah. is. You have to be able to do the things. Everybody wants to have the cool creative studio. Nobody wants to dig into the bullshit in the back of their uh, integrations yeah. to make their business more efficient. Yeah, exactly. And I wouldn't even call it an integration specialist. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, what I would do is I would hone in on a very, very specific problem in a specific mm -hmm. industry. Like, that's what a specialist is. You know, a specialist is not a generalist, yeah. right? What, what a specialist does is they solve a very specific problem in a specific industry. For example, um, most people in our space, the personal branding space, uses uh, a, a CRM called Infusionsoft. I don't know if you've nope. heard of it. I think it's called, uh, now it's called something else. It's called Keep hmm. or something like that. But um, 
I mean, uh, people still call it Infusionsoft. Like that's not a popular software, but almost every influencer that you talk to, like big ones, if you ask them what they're using for their mailing list and their CRM, they'll probably say Infusionsoft, mm -hmm. okay? Now, a lot of people have trouble uh, integrating their Infusionsoft to the rest of their business. Meaning, okay, like when they log in, like based on what, what access they have in Infusionsoft, give them these access or something like that. Or if we create a sales page, when they join in, have them automatically added to the Infusionsoft, like that automatic in integration between Infusionsoft and the rest of the thing. That's a very special thing that very, very, very few people in the world mm -hmm. knows how to do. But a lot of, there's a huge demand for it, mm -hmm. right? So I know an Infusionsoft specialist that literally like charges $1,000 an hour <laughs> for that reason. Mm -hmm. Do you understand what I mean? And that's what specialists mm -hmm. do, right? And once you go in as a specialist, if you're smart, then you can expand your service within that. But I think the way you get in the door is by solving a very specific, one specific mm -hmm. problem. So what I would say is, like, the reason why I knew that is we actually worked with Infusionsoft for like two years because every, it turns out all of our clients use it. So we learned Infusionsoft inside and out. Like, <laughs> we know everything about Infusionsoft and how to integrate it to mm -hmm. the website, right? So it's almost like when a client comes in and we say, yeah, every one of our clients uses Infusionsoft and we've all integrated it. It's almost like I don't even have to sell anything else. The sell is already done. Because they're like, they have Infusionsoft. They've been having trouble with it. They've been having trouble integrating. And then I say, oh, we're Infusionsoft specialists. We've been doing it for two years. And all of our clients use it. All of a sudden, that's like music to their mm -hmm. ears, right? So things like that. And a lot of people don't know these kind of things. Like a lot of people think that they're experts, that they think that they are. But if you're a real expert, real sp specialist, you, you would know these kind of things. Okay. Every hospital uses this software called this. Every e-commerce shop uses this. And here's another good one. There's a huge demand for people who can integrate Shopify do, to QuickBooks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Or, or whatever accounting mm -hmm. system that they use, right? Because even though there are apps and stuff like that, they don't know how to set it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? So things like that. I know those are not sexy. But that's the thing that they need, they they're willing to pay for right yeah, now. That's uh, you know what I mean. Precisely that Shopify for me it would be Netsuite, not QuickBooks. But that's the place where I also see opportunity okay. where a lot of people don't want to exactly. do it. But e-commerce businesses above ten million need a better accounting system, and they're always in Shopify, and they always need to go to Netsuite. And it's like, okay, well, getting really good at that would be a huge value add. It's just not super yeah. fun. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would start with something yeah. like that, right? So that you can say, you can clearly like set all the products or services based mm -hmm. on that. You can have a clear, like what one page on your website that explains that. And then the way I would go about it is I would go into the job boards and then search for NetSuite Shopify mm -hmm. and look for any job description. <laughs> <laughs> of looking for, oh, we use Netflix and Shopify, blah, 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 right? I would just email every single one of them and just say, I'm not looking for a job, but I'm actually a specialist in Shopify and NetSuite, that, and th these are the projects that I've done. And, you know, I want to see if, you know, I can help mm -hmm. you there. And you, all you need is just one or two clients like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that takes me into... I guess a deeper question because maybe you can have a few different things, not just NetSuite, but like that's yeah. one. And there's maybe pick a two or three of those kind of things and then start reaching out to people that are looking for those kind of things. Yeah. And then feel it out, see which one is the most in demand. Well, and I almost see like a, a full, and this is okay. So now I'm thinking, okay, you could do Shopify integrated to HubSpot for CRM and NetSuite for accounting. And then like 
whatever the third is, maybe like a customer experience platform or something, you're creating like a full ecosystem of things that you can build around Shopify. But then is it yeah. better in the beginning to just test many offers and hone in on one to get really good or position yourself as somebody who can handle in these three and then kind of like in each job board say specifically, oh, I do Shopify NetSuite. Here's my Shopify NetSuite page. Does that question make sense? Yeah, no, I would separate yeah. it three. What I would do is separate the three. So to these people, make it look like you're only doing Shopify and that's mm -hmm. and nothing else. To these people, make it look like you're doing Shopify and whatever. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? So as far as they know, you only do that, even though you're reaching out separately, yeah. right? Here's another thing I would do, actually. I would actually, you know, how when you go to Shopify, they have a, like a Shopify developers network. Yeah. So... All the companies that just Shopify agencies are on there. I would try to reach out to all of them and ask them like, hey, is there any integration or anything that especially mm. you, you need right now that mm -hmm. you need help on? And then make it, try to get a sense of like what, what is the thing that they all yeah. need? Because maybe your client is not really the end client. Maybe your client are Shopify developers. Right, people who already have agencies. <laughs> Or who already have freelance contracts and don't have the do time I mean? to yeah. do the extra stuff. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So, okay. All of that is fantastic and makes sense. But then there's the, I don't mm -hmm. even want to call it the shiny object syndrome. Now that I have a full-time role, I'll the be able to support friends. myself financially, right? I could hypothetically spend my free time building anything. But this this business we just talked about yeah. makes the most. So sense. That, that's what I prefer yeah. to do. If if the if the Shopify stuff doesn't sound sexy mm -hmm. to you, then you shouldn't go mm -hmm. after it because remember your nine to five job is the money mm -hmm. maker. If the Shopify thing is not sexy, but it makes money, that means that's the money maker. Mm -hmm. Do you understand what I mean? So what you have to do is. Your side hustle cannot be another moneymaker. Right. <laughs> because then you're, you're doing this, <laughs> like, like not for passion, but money. And then now you're doing this, not for money, but like not for passion, but for yeah. money again. So I feel like if you want to really invest in your side hustle, it has to be the thing that you mm. want to do. And is that more branding? Well, I think the last time we talked, you gave me the advice, whatever comes up next, just lean into it fully, right? Just go mm -hmm. all in on it. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing that keeps on coming up for me is feeding myself better, cooking better, and being like better with food in general. Oh, okay. And, and that was another part okay. of my journey was saying, like everybody says niche, niche, niche. Nietzsche, Nietzsche, um, niche, 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 right? Like find a, <laughs> find a, a lane and stick to it. And so then I try to like tack on, okay, brand strategy, food and beverage, neither of which I have deep experience in. Let's just make this my focus. And so I like honed in on this pinpoint where I can't validate anything I'm doing for either side. So now I'm thinking if I have all this extra time, maybe this is my opportunity to build a network within the food community in Chicago spend more time just enjoying food and getting more involved in that kind of industry. Yeah. Then what I would do is I would consider that literally a side hustle hobby project. Mm. Like you're literally doing that mm -hmm. for passion, right? So, cause that I, I think then you'll go all in. Mm. Like don't expect to make a dime mm -hmm. from this for the mm -hmm. next three years. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Go. If you do make money from it and you know, in a year, great, amazing, but don't yeah. expect it. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? So let's let's approach it like that. Let's say you're not expecting any for anything out of this for the next few years. What is the thing you want to do? Like, what what would drive you like <laughs> to wake up and be like, shit, I want to do this? <laughs> That's uh oh man, it's a great question. I get, so this is, you know, Winston Wolf from Pulp Fiction, the guy who like hides the bodies. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, fixer. the fixer. 
that's the kind of stuff that amps yeah. me up. Like whatever. Lots of cream, lots exactly. of sugar. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> I talk fast. I act fast. Like if I have a, a interesting and meaningful problem to solve, I'm like all the way up. I'm tuned all the way in. And I don't know how to sell that. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't sell that, but like, it's not specific to an action. The process is great. It's really about the, the challenge of an interesting, meaningful problem to solve and breaking it down and getting it figured out. And then once I've solved the problem, I almost lose interest immediately, but like the process of figuring it out, I wake up every day energized if I have mm -hmm. something challenging in front of me to do. Yeah, but you don't need exactly. a brand for that. That's a B2B business. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you'll have a brand and you'll be known in yeah. the industry. Like like mm -hmm. the fixer. <laughs> but the fixer doesn't need a social media or need to advertise right. themselves. Do you understand what I mean? Like they get introduced from other people's problems yeah, that you yeah, fixed. Yeah. So with that, you almost don't even have to worry about branding. But maybe what, what you can do is one of the things that we talked about last time, the, the idea that I got is um, if you like making videos, mm -hmm. right? Maybe you can just be a YouTuber mm -hmm. for, for that topic. Like, for example, bring a camera, like a vlogging style, <laughs> like bring a yeah. camera. And so I, I follow this YouTube channel. His name is Peter Santanello. And what he does is he goes to these like deep underground communities and then he tried to teach all about it on his youtube channel for so for example he'll go to like a very religious like muslim neighborhood in minnesota and he'll immerse himself into one of the muslim families <laughs> and then he'll learn all about the culture and things like that right he did that with the amish people he did that with the bloods and the crips <laughs> he did that with uh, uh like orthodox jewish mm -hmm. community so he does that with all different kind of community, like the the, the Mex. There's like the recent one I saw is like there's a there's an entire community of Mexicans in LA who are like cowboys. Mm. So they ride around LA in horses, and, and so he did a whole thing yeah. on that, right? Um, it's super interesting because you can tell that he's genuinely interested in these communities and yeah. things like that. So maybe what you can do is like you can go to these farms around Illinois. Like every weekend, right? Spend like every Saturday, Sunday, just book out every Saturday, Sunday for the next how many months, whatever. Just book a, a trip, a day trip to a different farm, mm. <laughs> right? <laughs> bring your camera, bring your mic. Just go ahead and just record everything that you're going on. Just have a conversation with them. Maybe have a conversation about sustainability, about healthy eating and mm -hmm. everything. The, the problem, because right now you don't know. You're not an expert in farming. You're not an expert in food. But... It almost becomes like a podcast where you're using this as a channel to learn and maybe at the same time give fresh perspective. Yeah. Like, oh, did you ever think of doing it? Like, oh, that's interesting. How that? I, I didn't know that. Like, have you ever thought of doing it mm -hmm. this way? Or have you ever thought of like, you know, selling this online? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, have you ever thought of this process you're doing right here seems very inefficient. Have you ever thought of it doing yeah. it this way? So you're almost kind of like learning about how they work and also kind of at the same time consulting, right? Because you're trying to like problem solve at the same time, right? Or something yeah. like that. And then you take all that footage, you edit it into a YouTube video. Boom, like every week, <laughs> you just, you know, and that's almost like a passion project, right? But you have to look at it that way as a passion project. And I gotta, I gotta be real with you. I have that thought often mm -hmm. and I still don't do it. And I don't know why, because I get super excited about it. Why? And then it just doesn't, I, I have the, ex, I don't have a good camera. I don't know how to do the lighting, which farmers do I reach out to? Like I create all these things in my way and I just don't do it. But everything about that sounds super fun, super exciting. It's like, hypothetically, that's fantastic. You have an iPhone. I have an iPhone and I have a, a mobile recording need. device. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I can make it happen. I just need to go make it happen. Uh, that, like that guy, you know, that guy, Sneeko. Have you heard no. of Sneeko? So Sneeko is a, he's a YouTuber. I mean, he's banned now. 
<laughs> so you moved over to Rumble. But Sneeko is this guy in New York City. Ever since he was like 14 years old or something mm-hmm. like that. Like like a young kid. So he just went around New York City with a mic <laughs> and just like asking questions to different mm-hmm. people and having conversations with different people. So something like that. And he uses shitty shitty like iphone yeah. <laughs> you know audio is terrible <laughs> but the content is good you know yeah i guess it's the same thing as the uh the podcast project you had us do a few weeks ago it's like when you gave the directive mm-hmm. don't worry about making it perfect just put out a podcast suddenly i had a podcast within a week and i've been thinking about that for years yeah exactly <laughs> and now i've done like 20 podcast episodes across and the I, different projects that- yeah, and also the real fun part there, it's, it's like those those travel vloggers and stuff yeah. like that, right? I mean, those travel vloggers, even without the camera, they would have gone there and travel right. anyway. They would have done the same exact thing anyway. They would have enjoyed yeah. it anyway. It's just that now they're doing it with the camera, yeah. right? So you got to think of it as like, you would go to these farms anyway, even if it wasn't for content or anything else. You would go try to learn this anyway. So... Maybe that's the thing. Maybe you have to think for, think about that thing that you you do mm-hmm. anyway. Like, what are the things that you do right now on your own? Nobody's asking you to do it. Or you're not getting paid to do it. Um, I have a lot of conversations like this. So like video conversations with interesting people. Um, and the podcast has been really natural in that way. Um, when you say interesting people... What, people what, that what's feel like they have a different perspective or that they say something that I truly have never thought of before. Or they say something in a way that I'm thinking, okay. well, I would have thought that was a terrible thing, but she thought that was amazing. So like, there's something to learn here. I need to ask you about that to understand why we see this completely opposite. Um, so people that just make me think differently or come from a different background than me that seem aligned with like my values. Not necessarily like, had to do with food or anything I've, like just i've been general. attracting a lot of food people and i've been talking mostly to food people because there is that immediate connection and like i want to learn from them because there's so much i don't know um so i think okay. for the near term that's 100 percent a thing i can do just talking to chefs <laughs> then you gotta farms, go to this farm 100 i think it's getting over that hump of like well why does the farmer want to take time for me or like why should i be bothering them but that's a bs excuse it's just reach out to them somebody's going to say yes somebody has said yes every time i've reached out so yeah. it's like oh. well you're asking that you're asking them to help right. you right right and usually when i ask people to help me like nine out of ten times they don't turn mm-hmm. me down it's weird whenever i tell them i can help you oh i can help you promote your farm like yeah. no thanks but then I'm like, oh, can you help me? Like, I really want to learn about, like, I, I find your farm fascinating because you do this. And I really want to learn about that process and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Then they're going to be like, sure, come on yeah, down. 100%. <laughs> yeah. And I already know all of the farms to reach out to because I keep on finding new stuff. Yeah, might as well. What else am I doing with my time? Playing video games, <laughs> watching Netflix, chef's table. <laughs> Uh, so there, so you you are very, even in the other areas, it's a lot of foods related. This stuff. is my new yeah. thing. It used, yeah, you know that. Go ahead. Is it is it more about the cuisine or is it more about the health part of it? It's, I think we talked about this once before too. It's I'm learning it's the community aspect. It's like the connection with where things came from. I've become very um, unhappy about how far. I am from the food that came out of the ground. I don't understand what happened to it. I don't understand who brought it out of the ground, how it grows. And then I don't come from a family where we would like sit down and eat meals together. And when I had a chance to experience that in Italy with complete strangers, I'm home and I'm thinking, why don't I have more meals with friends? One of the reasons is I don't cook for other people, so I can't invite them over for great meals. Um, and it's like, it's creating, creating an atmosphere and an environment of close community where I am beyond all of the digital connections I've made in the last year. How do I start getting closer to the people that are around me? And food is, mm-hmm. I see the best way to do it. Oh that. yeah. Okay. I, I feel like you can do a lot mm-hmm. with this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, um, for example, in your podcast, 
keep, keep in so you, you're gonna have your podcast which you record at your house or whatever mm-hmm. and then you're gonna do those trips out to those mm-hmm. farms right now what i want you to do is like this is getting me excited <laughs> like in, in my podcast i would bring in those people that talks about um like local source mm. foods uh sustainability in food like how 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 you know those type of topics right people that already talk mm-hmm. about those like um farming and things like that right so bring on those people right and then like i'm not talking about farmers but other influencers mm-hmm. in that space start with the smaller mm-hmm. ones and move your way up there's a lot of small influences that talks about healthy eating you know like you know all those spiritual uh woo people that talks about spirituality yeah. and stuff like that there's two ways they start <laughs> like one way is they start through like trauma and therapy and that way and then they go into the spiritual realm the other way they start is through food eat like because like a lot of times when they do this their first step is they become a mm-hmm. vegetarian because <laughs> they realize about like you know that so they get passionate about eating healthy vegetarian and then the next step after that is like okay now that i'm taking care of my body what else like the mind the, the spirituality and that, that naturally becomes yeah. the next step so there's a lot of people in the in the influencer space like smaller influencers that talks about food stuff okay so bring them on because then what you're doing is you're getting access to their audience mm-hmm. every time you that's what you want to do with the podcast. Like by bringing on these experts, like even if they're small, you get access to their audience because when you share, they're going to share, they're going to share the episode, right? So on and so on and so on. And then the farms, obviously, but you're doing it for yourself because you genuinely want to have this conversation, right? And then for the farms, same thing. You're going out there, you're genuinely having these conversations, like asking them curi- like whatever questions you're curious about and then making videos out of it. But, you know, this is the stuff that they're really learning. That this is like the next level stuff, right? They, these farmers are not going to get necessarily bring you followers or, or audience, but you're, you're getting great content from that. And then thirdly, make it personal. Like add another part where maybe what you do is you just invite people you know over, different people every, uh, every month, once a month or once every other week or something like that. And you just cook for them. So and uh, record the process of you cooking, what you're cooking, and then record the conversation mm-hmm. while you're eating together, right? Like all of these can be all three different content ideas for the same yeah. brand because it, it all evolves around food. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I have this process I called and include a lot of practical tips like, you know, like obviously you're going to talk about high level things, but you also want to focus on like, okay, what, you know, what's something somebody can do today Mm. to help local farmers? Mm -hmm. What's something that somebody can do today to make, start eating more Mm -hmm. clean? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like tiny habits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know for a fact that if, if, you know, any of you guys, if you just put your, whatever you're passionate about, whatever you feel compelled to talk about, if you just go all in on that, the audience will come as long as it's genuine. I have, I've been coaching this, uh, couple, these, uh, couple. Their brand name is called Satvic Movement, S-A-T-V-I-C, Movement. Um, And what they do is they talk about, they went through all these like health problems, right? And they went to all the doctors, the Western, Eastern, and all of them, nothing really worked until they found like a a way of eating, like how to cook the food, how to like, just like even like, they even talk about like when you eat, just like fully like, enjoy the smell the like really feel it and you know the texture and all of that like they teach you this kind of things and is that's the thing that worked for them and then obviously it worked for a lot of other people too because they talk about it and other people try it and now they have a huge massive community Mm -hmm. 
So, like, I know for a fact that if it, you're genuinely interested in something and you talk about it, there will be others too. The problem is this. A lot of people, what they do is they talk about things they're not genuinely interested in. Mm. For example, like NFT. <laughs> like nobody's genuinely interested in NFT. It's, it's a shiny new object, you know what I mean? Or, or like ChatGPT, like those kind of things. Like people are not genuinely interested in those things. That's why a lot of those content are going to fail because people can sense... <laughs> When it's not like for some reason, when it's real, there are other people out there that are just that feel strongly about the same thing. But when you're fake talking about NFT, when you're fake talking about some a subject just because it's the shiny new object or whatever it is, they're not going to connect yeah. with you. So it's so important that, like, literally, this is something you would do even if the camera yeah. wasn't on. Yeah, I love that. I've been um, I've been doing this thing called Dream Big Mondays. So uh, every Monday I try and mm -hmm. in the morning create space where I take constraints off and I just say like, okay, without thinking about all the things I don't have, what's the greatest possible outcome of this idea or whatever might be on my mind? Um, and this feels mm -hmm. very much like a Dream Big Monday right now, thinking about where that where that concept around food community could go. If I stop thinking about all the things I don't know how to do, yeah. I just suspend belief and go. The at thing it. is, I, well, if you're a lot like me, so I'm willing to I'm willing to give you sure. this warning. <laughs> That's a trap, and I fall into that trap all the time. At Night Owl Nation, I do that all the time. Oh, I really envision there being because we talk. I talk. I I tell you guys all the time. Like I really envision there being clubs mm -hmm. where this this is an Instagram club. This is a sales club this is and i see it going this way and i really see this like structure of small group leaders and of and i i envision all of these things right great but the, those things end up killing me mm. because whenever i set those things like in my mind it already becomes kind of all or nothing mm. already like, oh, now I have to make that vision happen. And I'm not happy until mm -hmm. that happens, right? But the thing is, the path to get there doesn't look like that. The path to get there is like me fixing this problem today and then realizing, oh, this happened. And then, oh, that, that happened. And then, and then by the time we get there, we might realize, oh, that actually wasn't even a problem. Like, for ex here's a good example. Right in the beginning, after we did the nine weeks, I'm like... Nine weeks is not mm. enough. This is a constant practice that people need to practice all the time, mm -hmm. storytelling. It's like, like a gym, right? It's like you can't just stop after nine weeks going to the gym. It's something you need to keep up, right? So in my grand vision, I'm going to make it like a gym. Forget the nine weeks. Forget the 10-week program. Let's do it like this, right? So we tried it. And then we realized that, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> no, no, uh, people are too... People are too scared. Like they're like, because they they keep asking me, oh, when does mm -hmm. it end? When does it end? Oh, the school's forever. <laughs> that it was overwhelming them. It's like, oh, and they they didn't want to commit to it, right? So a lot of times, we keep thinking about our vision. We don't realize what the real problem is, and sometimes, um, we we end up solving problems, like right there. It wasn't even an issue. Nobody was complaining after nine weeks. Nobody was coming to me after nine weeks and be like, son, I want to stop now. <laughs> you know? No, everybody was coming to me and say, when's the next nine weeks start? <laughs> but in my mind, I created a problem that doesn't exist. Like, oh, no, they, they have to keep doing it, so I'm not going to cut it off mm -hmm. at nine weeks. I'm going to have it an uh, infinity thing. When nobody even had that problem, Right. So that's kind of what we, whenever we vision stuff, we try to fix problem that doesn't exist yet. And that's a, so what I need to do is every day I need to, also, those things drive you crazy. Because I can't stop thinking about how far I am from it. Like, I can't, if this is my vision, oh, I see all the clubs, I see the hierarchy. Like, the way I imagine Night Owl Nation, the perfect version, ideal version of Night Owl Nation is, is so far from what we have now. 
that I feel like I'm making no progress. I feel like if that's going to be the thing after three months, make me give up. If I'm trying to go there and I don't get there in three months, right? Because that really is like a 10-year goal or something like that, right? But what's going to keep me going is just me reminding myself, okay, today I just need to work on Night Owl Nation for four hours because I have a block of time, four hours. So in those four hours, I'm going to do everything I can to make incremental tiny little improvements to Night Owl Nation. And that might be, okay, my overall goal club is clubs. Okay, today I'm going to reach out to all the small group leaders and, and see if anybody wants to lead a, lead a club. Step one. <laughs> okay, I did that. Okay, I'm happy. I, I made little progress towards, to, towards Night Owl Nation, right? So I really need to bring it all, every day I need to bring it back to today. And how can I really enjoy the process, enjoy the journey today? Not enjoy it once I get there. I, I can't, because I, I, I tend to think too far into the future all the time. I constantly need to bring myself. And you are like that too. And that's the, that is a benefit of being a problem solver, right? Like if I'm working with a client, I'm trying to solve problems. The, the fact that I can think three, four steps ahead of them is huge because they can't. But the thing is, in, in our own business, that kills us because business is really adapting to every step, not planning out three, mm -hmm. four steps. Yeah. 1% better every day, right? Yeah. The, I think the best thing I heard was, you know, Jocko Willing talking about his Navy SEAL commander, right? So him talking about every time they do a campaign or every time they have a they do that and they have to come up with a strategic plan. He tries to come up with the, the most roughest plan possible. Because when you plan too much in detail, like 100% of the time, the, the mission has never gone according to plan. <laughs> Things always happen, right? So that's why I think that, you know, I, and, and he explains like that's how it works in battle and the same thing. And then he starts talking about how how he planned his career after the SEALs. So what he said was, after the SEALs, when he was 40 years old, he just got out of the SEALs, uh, went to San Diego, to his home retirement, and he was like, oh, I'm just going to hang out and serve for, the rest, serve for the rest of my life. I'm a retired, right? And then he said, a friend of him, friend of his who works for like a, a big company, who's like an executive in a big company, called him and said, hey, can you come talk to my guys about leadership? And he's like, nah, I'm, I'm retired, man. Like, blah, blah. He's like, oh, I'll give you some money. He's like, all right, so I'll go. He said he did it. So he went there and he did the talk. But right after the talk, he said, he, he, um, in that room was some of the other department leaders. And they came up to him and they said, hey, can you do it for my department? Mm -hmm. So he ended up doing it, the talk for all the different departments in that company. And then one of them was like a, a group of CEOs. Uh, oh, one of them was like a... Um, uh, somebody who owned a bunch of different businesses. And he's like, oh, can you come talk to do, do one for all my CEOs? And then he did that. And then all those CEOs said, can you come do it for my team? <laughs> so this is how his, his uh, training program started. Okay. And then after a while, one of the persons is like, oh, you teach such a great stuff and we love all of this stuff, but can you create like a handbook manual for us of all the stuff so we, we have something to take mm -hmm. away? So he, he created that, right? And then he started giving out. But on one of the speaking things, one of the person happened to be a, a publisher or something like that, a, a book agent. And he's like, you got a book here. This can be a book. And they got in touch with and they turned it into a, a book. And then, and then the, the book was big. And then, and then Tim Ferriss asked him to like, come talk about the book. So when he went there, uh, and, then, and then Joe Rogan told him to talk about it. So he went there. And both Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan was like, you should start a podcast. So two of the most successful podcasters are telling me to start a podcast. So he started a podcast. Now the job Jocko podcast is huge. And you know what I mean? So all of his businesses, he didn't plan any of that. He just wanted to retire and surf. But one step led to another. And if I look at any successful people, that's how it happened. Nobody had a set vision 10 years away. And it happened exactly according to their vision. You know, not everybody can be Steve yeah. Jobs, you know. I love that. I love that. <laughs> hmm. 
yeah so I, I, anything else you want to add no i think before, that's a, that's a great takeaway it. it's like your strength the purity of vision and just being present it's not about like planning the whole future it's about just doing what you love doing and the world finds you i love that as a concept yeah. and the reason why i kept brought bringing brought you know i don't really talk about that mm -hmm. that much right like in my mm -hmm. content but the reason why i i I brought it up and I'm focusing on this so much right now. I don't talk about it, but for myself, that is the most important advice. The reason why I don't talk about it a lot is because I don't believe that every, everyone out there is struggling with, what, with that thing. Yeah. Like, like a lot of people are taking it one step at a time and not everybody's thinking 10 steps out. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the thing is, I am. I'm that kind of person. And I can kind of sense that you are too. And that's why I think this advice is very appropriate for yeah. you. Yeah. Don't don't get carried away in the long-term vision too much. You yeah, know? I think it's great advice. I appreciate it. It's been a great session. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to add one last thing. Uh, what makes you unique, mm. <laughs> right? Because... Once you start doing this and once you start putting out content out there, I think you're going to realize that, I mean, it's going to become much, much more clear to you and that you're going to be able to put a word, mm -hmm. word on it. But I think you are going to probably realize exactly what you said. Like you're a fixer. You're a, you're a solution in search of a problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do yeah. you understand what I mean? I love that, yeah. And... And I, I, as long as you're completely being yourself and you're having these conversations raw, authentic and raw, like out of pure curiosity, I think you'll start to see that, that it, at, at your very core, whether you're on the podcast, having a conversation, or whether you're um, talking to farmers or whether you're um, cooking dinner for somebody else, that in all of those areas, what we're going to see is you're constantly trying to uh, spot a problem and reverse engineer it and find a solution mm -hmm. for it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Whether it's food, whether it's cooking, you know what I mean? Sustainability, yeah. whatever it is. And, and once that happens, then that becomes your brand. Like, I never thought about it that way. It became my brand. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you'll have, you'll have that yeah. thing. That a hundred percent hits. That feels right. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad you're uh, you listen. I'm glad you listened and you found yourself that stable income so that you can go now. You can go all in on your passion, yeah. right? Like without having to worry at all. Like, yeah, so. had to put the pride away, right? It's like when you start, it's like, oh no, I'm I've, I'm a failed entrepreneur, but that's not the case at all. I'm just shifting my priorities so I can do it right. You know what's even funny? Cause you, oh my gosh, this is like I just got goosebumps <laughs> because <laughs> that pride thing, right? Like that's happened to me so many multiple times in my life. Where for me, it was the pride that made me worry that like, oh, if this freelancing thing fails, I have to go get a job. But it wasn't even that I didn't want to get a job. What it was is like, what are my friends gonna think? Like. I quit a year ago telling everybody that I'm going to be an entrepreneur and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm going back to a job. Like, okay, now all my friends are going to be like, I told you you're not going to. That was the thing I was most worried about. Right? But then once I gave that up, gave the worry, I was like, okay, I don't care. That's actually when the things started happening. Because like, I, I feel like that little fear of judgment or whatever it is, like it stops us from really going all in so much. And the same thing happened when I closed, you know, after COVID, when I closed my night owl, nation, uh, night owl office, right? And we all started working remotely. Like that office was like my pride and joy. It was like a beautiful office. It was like a Soho loft office. So nice. And like, it, it, like every time a client came in, they're like, wow. Like that was my pride and joy. So when I closed that office, like I'm expecting everyone to be like, see, I knew it. Son. Like someone wasn't cut out to be an entrepreneur. Like, do you yeah, understand what I mean? So I was, but then when it happened, nobody yeah. did. Like, people were like, oh, you didn't need that office. <laughs> do yeah. you understand what I mean? 
And it's just like sometimes like if you just get rid of that one fear that's worrying you, that's stopping you from it. Like if you just drop that ego and just like, okay, call me a loser. I don't care. That's why on our manifesto, the first thing is be a nobody and be a beginner. <laughs> because once you come from that mentality, nothing scares you anymore because you're not afraid of judgment anymore. Thousand percent. Took the words right out of my mouth. I know exactly what you mean. Hundred. <laughs> Feels great. I'm Feels glad, great. man. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks. Do Do you already feel a little bit relieved after like? Yeah, I really do. Yeah. Going through that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. The the uh, the reality as it comes to me, it's anything anybody could say about me about how I didn't make it or like, at least you tried has nothing to do with what I'm actually doing. And I've actually heard a few of those that were like condolences. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, you did your own thing for a year. And it's like, I'm still doing my own thing. I, and it doesn't matter if you'd realize that because I'm making the choices I need yeah. to make to go where I see I'm going. So yeah, a hundred percent, it feels so much better. And just being able to take yeah. that off. It's like, now I can see yeah, this man, and that... say, I don't need to make it pay me. I can just do this awesome thing. Let's go do it. It feels so much better. You don't realize how much of a superpower that is with like that. Somebody tells you something like that and it doesn't mm -hmm. bother you. Like if you can get to a point where other people's words doesn't bother you because you know what mm -hmm. you're doing, that's such a superpower because that's really the thing that stops everybody from really going yeah. all in, you know? For so. Sure. Yeah, man. Good job. Good job. Right <laughs> Maybe I'll get to cook you a meal someday. And, and uh, yeah, have a dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, if I'm ever in yeah. Chicago, I'll come on your podcast. We'll have dinner and we'll have a three hour Throw conversation. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to speak with you as always. Um, Thank you for coming on again. And do, do, is there anything else you want to add or um, nah, talk about? Thank you. I appreciate it. This has been really, really excellent. And it's always a great time to uh, get time with you. Awesome. All right, everyone, go follow Wolf. I'm going to put the uh, Instagram on his on the uh, on the descriptions. Hopefully, I'm, I, Wolf, don't let me down. I'm going to tell people to follow you, and they're going to they're going to see all the all the food content from you. So, the whole thing, 100%. remember, I got you. Yeah, man. All right, brother. I'll see you on Sunday. Thank you, thank you, everyone, for listening, and see you guys next week. Cheers. <laughs>